that word in verse 17 there when it says uh, uh, charge them, really that word means instruct them that are rich. Right? And so Paul is saying, in your work for the Lord, he's telling Timothy, he's saying as you go out and you minister for God, as you pastor churches, as you preach in churches, he said to make sure that you instruct people that are rich in this world how they ought to be. Yeah. The things that they ought to do. Now, some of you this morning, I'll lose right away because you'll say I'm not rich. Uh, you, you compare yourself to the richest 1% in the world and you say that, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot, right? I don't, I, in comparison to some people. But we need to see that in the world that we live in, and we've talked about this before, we are the rich person that Paul talks about. Yeah, yeah. Um, guys, we've got an abundance of possessions. Yeah, yeah. Amen. All, everybody in this room today, I don't know everybody's personal life, but I feel pretty confident that I can say this. We've got an abundance of things. We've got homes, buildings, and barns, and, and, and cars, and plenty of clothes in the closet. Some of them we ain't worn forever. Amen? We've got uh, pets that we spend money on. Amen? Toys that we play with. I'm not talking about kids' toys either. I'm talking about those big expensive ones. Amen? We've all got them. Yeah. Most of us anyways. No. We, 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 it's easy for us to forget that most of us in this country spend more on our hobbies and habits than what most people in the world make for working on here. It's easy to forget that. It's easy for me to forget that. So when Paul says instruct the rich or charge the rich, that's us. And what is it that Paul wants us to hear when he says that? Well, there's three things that he wants us to hear, and then a fourth he gives us the reason. And I'll cover those really quickly with you, and then we'll go on into the rest. The first thing is that he wanted us to make sure those of us that are rich, that's all of us in this room today, it applies to everyone, that we should not be high-minded because of our riches. In other words, that we shouldn't be pretentious or arrogant because that we've been given so much. We shouldn't let our riches make us look down or think better of ourselves than anybody else. Amen? The second thing that he wanted to show us in that scripture was that we should not begin to put our faith or our trust in riches. He calls them uncertain riches. Why does he say that? Because he's reminding us that you can have those things today, but they may be gone tomorrow. Right? Yeah. right? Yeah. He says, don't put your faith, don't put your trust, don't build your life around uncertain riches, and instead put your faith and your trust and build your life around God who has given you all those things. Amen. Yes. We've got to recognize today that everything that we have, every the good thing that God has given us, He has given us these things, the Scripture says there, to enjoy. Amen. Not to waste. So let me say it this way, just as a side note. You'll enjoy your riches a lot better when you use them to bless other people. Amen. Rather than just bless yourself all the time. Amen? Amen. That's what the Scripture means when it says it's better to give to receive. Amen? Amen. Yeah. And then thirdly, he, he says, now, now, now first, don't get high-minded because you're rich. Recognize
recognize that we're the rich person. Don't let, don't let that make you high-minded. Don't let that make you think that we're better than anybody else. Listen to me today. I'm not being political. I, I, I don't even like politics. But those people in other countries today that are suffering and doing all kinds, I mean, going through all kinds of things, that could be us next year. Genuinely, that could be us. We're no better than they are. Today, you get to look at them and say, poor, pitiful them. Tomorrow, they may look at you and say, poor, pitiful you. Amen? Don't let those things make you high-minded. Don't begin to put your faith and trust in your bank account or in your possessions or in your retirement fund. Don't begin to put your faith and trust into those things. Those things could be gone tomorrow. Put your faith and trust in God, who will never leave and never forsake. And then lastly, there that we should do good with the riches that God has given to us. That we should use them to accomplish good works in the name of the Lord. Amen? That we're always ready, remember he said, always ready to distribute or to communicate, which means always ready to share, to give. When we see that somebody else is in need, we should be willing to give what God has given to us. Amen? And then he tells us why. why. Why do we need to do this? He says, because it lays up a good foundation against the time to come. In other words, because you lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Amen. That's the time that's to come. Amen. Right? There's a day that's coming where we're going to lay off this body. We're going to put this body down. We're going to some folks right now that's members of our church are at the graveyard watching that happen today. That this body will go away, yeah. and all the things that that we own and all the things that we've labored and worked so hard to build and to make look beautiful and to store up, all those things will be somebody else's. Yeah. Amen. They'll vanish away. That we have no importance to us anymore. So he says, let your riches be used for good so that you can lay up a great foundation against the day that's to come. In other words, when you get to heaven, you'll have a great foundation that God can say, man, you did good things with what I gave you. Remember the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 21? I believe I've got that scripture there. Uh, uh, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, he said, what must I do? Right? I want to be perfect. And in Matthew 19 and 21, Jesus said, uh, Jesus said to him, he said, if thou will be perfect, go and sell that that you have and give to the poor. And then look at this last, look at this sentence. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Amen. And come and follow me. Amen. Now he didn't just say go sell all you have uh, to the poor so that so that you can show everybody how wonderful you are. He said, sell all you have and give that away doesn't make a bit of difference in eternity. Lay up treasures. He said, that's how you're going to get treasures in heaven. Amen. What if we believe that? Would that change how we live today? I wonder if we, if we truly grasp that concept, Amen. would it change how we live? Jesus said plainly, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where thieves can't break in and steal it and moths and rust can't come in and corrupt it. Amen. I hope that scripture in Timothy resonates with you like it did with me when I read it because it moved me to begin to think about what I've been doing and what I should do with my money, with my possessions, with the things I have. 
Sometimes I think it would be better for some of us to have all those things taken from us because all those things ever do is distract us from the Lord. It's almost, and I'm just being honest with you this morning. I'm not talking, if, you, if, you're, if you've got to figure it out, I thank God for that. But sometimes for me, I look at the things that God has given me, good things that I can enjoy, that I can use to bless other people with. And I find myself just consuming them selfishly. And sometimes I think it would be better for me not to have those things because all they're doing is taking me farther and farther away from what's important. We've got to ask ourselves this morning, are we taking heed to these Scriptures? Is our trust really in God? Or do we are we are, are we trusting in the things that we have? Are we happy today? Are we rejoicing today because we have God or because we have stuff? If all the stuff was gone, if all of it was taken away, if, if, if you didn't have a home to go to and lay down in. If you didn't have any of those things, if you didn't have a car to drive home, if you if, if, if you didn't have money, if you hadn't ate in a few days, and your and your belly was growling, and all those things was happening, would you still come into the house of God today and say, "I have been blessed," or would you come with long faces? What is the source of our joy in this life? Is the source of our joy, our salvation in Christ? Is God the source of our joy? Or is our possessions what makes us truly happy? Yep. Something to think about this morning. Yeah. Do we get puffed up <coughs> by our salaries, by our titles, by our retirement funds? Are, are we doing the most good that we possibly can with the riches God has given us? That's the questions today. And so I would ask you this. Whose kingdom are you focused on? Think back about the early church and, 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 and see which kingdom they were focused on in the Scriptures. And let, let me say this this morning before we do that. The, the, the church is the kingdom of God today. Amen. There's a coming day when the Lord is going to set up His kingdom upon the earth and He'll rule and reign over all that's in the earth. Yeah. That day is coming. But even now, in the church, that rule and reign has already begun. Amen. You see, uh, I don't know how to say it better. That for the most part, the world is a democracy. But the church is a theocracy. It's ruled by God and He's teaching. In a democracy, people rule. But in a theocracy, God rules. So in the world, you see democracy. People making decisions on what they want to do and how they want things to be and how they want things to go. But we've stepped out of the world. We've come out from among the world. And we're now a separate people. And we've joined ourselves to the body of Christ, to the church, and we follow a theocracy, which means that we want to follow and do not what we want, but what God wants. Amen. In that way, 
We've already come under the rule of Christ, under the reign of Christ. And listen, the Bible makes clear to us who's the head of the church. Is it the denomination leader somewhere else? Is it the Pope over there? Is it this person? No, there's only one head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. It's not a group of pastors or elders or anybody. Jesus is the head of the church. Amen. As a church body in the world, I'm not talking about Pound River, I'm talking about as a church in the whole world, Christians don't assemble together every year and vote over who's going to be the head of the church. We don't hold elections over who's in charge of the church. Do you know why? Because Christ has established that and no man can change it. Christ is the head of the church. He's the one. God's always going to rule His church. Nobody else. No president. No pope. No denominational leadership. No outside force. Nothing else. God rules the church. So we fall under that kingdom already. And the church is the beginning of the kingdom of God on earth. And early Christians understood that. They got it. And they were focused on building up the kingdom of God. And building up the church. And taking care of each other so that the kingdom of God could grow and get bigger and expand. They, the, if we went back and read, for time's sake I won't, but if we went back and read, we could see that they sold their possessions. And they brought all things together and they laid them at the apostles' feet. And they said, if anybody's got need, use this to meet their needs. Yeah. Yeah. They gave willingly. Yeah. They were dedicated to the church and to other believers because they knew the truth. They knew the church was the institution that had been set up by God to continue the work of Christ. Their motivation was to, to see the church grow and to see the church continue to make a difference in the world until Christ returned. Amen. And so the Bible says they laid aside money on the first day of each week. And if you want to go back and read that, it's in 1 Corinthians 16. But they said that they, they, they told them on the first day of the week, lay up for yourselves in store, lay up some treasure there on the first day of the week that might go into the pot and be used for the building up of God's kingdom. Amen. That's where we get our offerings from today. Yeah. That's why we do that. We take up an offering not to burden people. Not because we want to, not because we want to see how much money we can squeeze out of everybody, but because we want to use that money to support the work of the church in the world today. That's why churches do that. I had somebody ask me that just last week at work. They said, "Do you give money to your church?" I said, "Yes." They said, "Why would you do that? Why would you work for that money? Why would you give it away?" You know, uh, they said, "Don't God have enough money?" Don't give that money because God doesn't have enough money. I give that money because I give because God has blessed me. And I give back so that we, can, we might together represent Christ and bless others. That's the purpose of an offering. It's not to build up to see how fine we can make everything look. It's not so that I can send my kids to college. It's not so that I can uh, 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 have uh, uh, insurance money or whatever the case may be. I do that because I want God's kingdom to grow. Amen. So the question was, what kingdom are you building up? If the church is God's kingdom, 
then the other kingdom is your own. Yeah. Where you get to sit on the throne. Where you rule and reign. This life that we build up for ourselves, and we've all got a piece of that in us, I believe, this morning. Amen. And I think if we're all being honest with each other this morning, most of us live very well. Amen? Amen. 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 That doesn't mean we have excess all the time. But most of us live very well. Amen. Most of us have all of our needs Amen. and most of our wants. Amen. 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 We've got everything we need and pretty much everything we want. If we don't have it, we're working on it. Amen. 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 But the reality is, even though we have, remember those words, godliness with contentment is great gain? Even though we have all this stuff, even though we have all these things, much of our time, much of our money is spent on getting more for ourselves. Amen. Amen. Don't get mad at me this morning. I told you I don't like to preach this. I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody. I don't have anybody in mind this morning. I don't know who gives what. I don't ask and I don't care. It doesn't bother me. We're focused on making this thing nicer or this thing bigger or this thing better or, or doing this or doing that and we're neglecting the widows and the orphans, the kids in foster care, the poor, the hungry, the homeless, the hurting, the sick, the oppressed, the list could go on and on. Yeah. We put it in practical terms this morning, not to be mean, right? not to be hard. I don't want to be hard for the sake of being hard, but to make it understandable as an example. Do you think it's better this morning to spend $50 on another picture to hang on the wall or to take $50 to put into a Christian shelter where God's Word can be taught and people can have a warm place to sleep? Don't we have enough? How much is it? How much is too much? I mean, when, when do we ask ourselves that question? Is, the, is fifty dollars spent at, at you know on, on another thing that you don't need? Is that better so that you can sit in your cabinet and collect dust, or sit in your closet and you can look at it every couple of months? Is that better than giving fifty dollars to help feed somebody that don't have groceries? Which kingdom are we building? Amen. Which, what are we more focused on? Amen? Amen. I know that's hard. Please don't be mad at me. I don't want you to be. Come on, brother. Really, ask yourself this. This is the next thing that, that I felt like God wanted me to bring out. Really, what is the desires of your heart? What is it that our heart desires? What if I told you today how we give reveals our heart? Yeah. Now listen, I didn't say how much we give. I said how we give. Yeah. Some folks have the ability to give a lot more than others. Amen? Amen. Some folks have significantly more than what others have as far as the amount goes, right? And that's just the way that it is. They have more opportunity to give more because they have more. That's simple to understand. We remember the story, though, of the widow woman who Jesus watched give. He watched all the rich people come in and He said they gave much. 
And then she came in and she gave two mites. Very little. Right? It was very little. But he said to his disciples, he said, you see that widow, that poor widow? She's given more than anybody else. She's given more. Why? All because she gave all that she could, but they gave out of their abundance. She gave all that she could give. They gave the least they had to get by. In other words, they could have given more, but they didn't want to. Amen? They could have given more, but they didn't want to. It's not how much we give. It's how much we're willing to give. Amen. Listen to me in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 for just a moment. Four verses here. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, now listen to these words, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means. Listen to what they did. Begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. You see, Paul was teaching the Corinthians the same thing that, that God is trying to teach us this morning. He used the church in Macedonia as an example to them. He said they didn't have much. He actually said they were in deep or extreme poverty. But they begged to be able to give what they could. They didn't have to be asked. They didn't have to be prodded or pushed into it. They wanted to give so that they could be a partaker of the ministry that was taking place. Their heart's desire was not building up more for themselves. Their heart's desire was to see that the churches and the believers were financially able to do the work of Christ. Amen. Yeah. This is a low amen message. <laughs> How should we give? The same way. The Bible is not silent about how we should give. He tells us plainly. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. By the way, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is all about giving. If you want to go back and study it out, go back and look there. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 says, How should a man give? Every man should give according as he purposes in his heart. So let him give. Yeah. Not grudgingly. Not because somebody makes it. Not of necessity. Why? Because God loves a cheerful Amen. Amen? Amen. God loves, God loved, why did, why did the Holy Spirit emphasize the Macedonian church? He didn't say they gave more than anybody else. He said they gave because they wanted to. They were happy to give. Even though they didn't have much, they wanted to do it. And so they gave. That's so easy to understand, isn't it? How should we give? We should just give as we purpose in our heart, not grudgingly. Not because somebody's trying to make us. Not because we're under the law or under bondage, but because we want to and voluntarily God loves a cheerful gift. There's nothing in there about 10%. As a matter of fact, there's nothing in the New Testament 
10%. I've studied a lot on tithing, and God willing, one day I'll teach more on that subject, and I think a lot of us will be shocked by what the Bible teaches in regards to tithing. In the Old Testament, they didn't just give 10%. It was 25%. They gave, they tithed a lot more than that, right? But they, listen, but these people, this Macedonian church, they far exceeded 10%. I don't know if it was 10% of what they made, but they exceeded the expectation of God because they gave as much as they could. Because they understood that this life was temporary, but what was ahead was eternal. They gave sacrificially because they wanted to see the work of God happening in their communities and in the world. They wanted the gospel to go out. They gave wholeheartedly. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Paul in another place, you'll read it when you go back and read Corinthians 8 and 9. He told them, he said, I am not asking for you to, to, to give, to put yourself in a bind. He said, I don't want you to be in poverty so that somebody else can be rich. He said, instead, I want us to give to the best of our ability so that we all may have our needs met. Yeah. Amen? Amen? I'll drag it <laughs> What about you today, this morning? Do you give wholeheartedly? Do you give voluntarily? Do you give cheerfully? Or, do you carefully calculate your 10% so that you don't give any less because you don't want God to take anything from you? But you sure ain't going to give any more because that's all that's required. Amen? I'm not going to ask you, but I want you to mentally raise your hand if you know exactly what 10% is. Because if you do, that means that's what you've done, right? And I know what mine means. Amen? It's an indication of what our hearts really want. Amen? It's an indication of it. The way that we, the way that we give shows us whether we want more for ourselves or more for the kingdom of God. So the question is, are we content with what God has given us? Or do our hearts always crave more? Godliness with contentment is great game. It's certain we brought nothing into the world and it's certain we'll take nothing in. Nothing. Amen? In fact, couldn't be any clearer you say, Brother Bill, what is the issue? Like, are we broke? No. I'm not preaching this because we need money. Like, I'm not trying to increase the offerings. I'm not preaching this because of anything else. Uh, There are reasons that I'm preaching this, but it's because there's so much work for us to do, and the more I ask God, the more opportunity I see for more to do. And if you ask God... He'll show you the same things. You say, well, what's the issue? Here's the issue. We've got a world full of people that are lost and going to hell and they need the gospel. And what's the church doing? What are we doing? Our community is full of teenagers who are getting addicted to drugs who are lost and searching uh, for something. And the world's happy to snatch them up. And they are. And where's the church? What are we doing? Our churches are dying in part because false teachers and, 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 and false preachers have creeped in. They're wreaking havoc and they spread their lies yeah. uh, 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 more efficiently than what we can spread the truth. Yeah. Think with me. Just, just don't get mad at me. Don't be focused on 
the fact that don't get lost in the subject of what I'm preaching. Just think for a minute. There are children today without homes. There are children without parents. And where is the church and what are we doing? We, we, we spend more time worried about what, what, we, what we're going to eat after church than the fact that there are people starving to death today. There are people who have nothing to eat today. Where's the church? There are homeless people all around the world, all around us, and even in our community. I, I, I know at work I had to call the homeless shelter the other day uh, because somebody was in a bad situation. And you know what they said? They're full. The homeless shelter in Norton's full. They don't have room for anymore. And they're so full that they have to cycle people through. They can only stay three or four weeks, and then they have to leave for a while so that more people can come in. And where do they go when they leave? Back out that's not in New York. That's not in California. That's in Norton. Babies are being murdered by the millions. Where's the church? What are we doing? Elderly people are dying in nursing homes sitting by themselves and they haven't spoken to anybody in months because nobody cares enough to go even speak to her. What are we doing? Amen. Church, don't we remember that faith without works is dead? Amen. The scripture this morning that we read made it so plain. It was it's a, when I read it, it just it just it pierces your heart. Those that are rich in this world should be rich in good works. Amen. What works do you have to show for your riches this morning? When is the last time that you saw a, a, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen, praise God, it does sometimes, but when's the last time you saw a clinic or an orphanage or a homeless shelter or a food kitchen or a community center or a teen center spring up in the name of the Lord because a church was willing to give wholeheartedly to make it happen? <coughs> no, we're dependent upon the community. We're dependent upon the world. We're dependent upon somebody else to do it. Somebody else will. Don't surely you remember the words of Jesus. Right? Surely you can you can recall those words. I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you helped me. I was in prison, you visited me. We, we hear those words. Those are not just stories. Those are actions that people took. He said, they said, Lord, we never saw you in any of those conditions. When did we see you like that? He said, when you've done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. He did not say, I was hungry and you prayed somebody would feed me. He did not say, I was naked and you, you prayed that somehow I'd get some clothes. He said, I was naked, you clothed me. I was hungry, you fed me. See the difference? 
We shouldn't be silent. We shouldn't be silent about 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 things, but we also shouldn't be still. We don't need to only talk about what we think is right. It, it, it's not enough to go on Facebook and say, Lord, I feel so bad for the homeless people outside in the cold tonight. What will you do about it? As a body, as a church, we can come together and, and just like the early church, we can come together and we can give wholeheartedly and cheerfully and voluntarily and, 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 and we can be the ones who, who spring up and build a shelter in the name of the Lord, who build a food kitchen, who feeds the, 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 the starving, who builds an orphanage, who adopts children. Uh, uh, we, we can be the ones who makes a team center to keep our kids off drugs. Uh, right here in this county, we can be the ones to do it. Yeah. We can build more churches in areas that, that don't get the gospel. We can send missionaries to all the ends of the earth. We can dig more wells for villages that don't have clean water. There's enough of us in here this morning, just in this one building, to do amazing things for God. But we have to be willing to give a lot. That's the truth. We have to want more for the kingdom of God than we want more for our own kingdom. Let's do something eternal with our money. Let's do something eternal with our time. Let's do something eternal with our resources. Let's do something. Amen? Amen. Let's do something. I, uh, there's so much more that I want to preach. Uh, but I don't know how to close it out. And I, I know it's time to close it out. I can feel that things are... are if I go over keel, you'll lose the points. Let me end with this. I'll try to end with this. Giving is an act of faith. Here are some things the early church believed. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15 says this. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And each of you must give as you have made up your mind, right? Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide... Now listen. God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance. So that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, He scatters abroad, He gives to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He that supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity which will produce thanksgiving to God. 
through us. Amen. For the rending of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Amen. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. Yes. While they long for you and pray for you, because of the surpassing grace of God that He has given you. Thanks be to God, for He is unspeakable or indescribable. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. In other words, He said, when you give, God will make sure you have all your needs, man. Amen. Philippians 4.19 reaffirms, and this is what the early church believed, my God shall supply all your needs. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. The early church, they believed that as they gave, God would supply their needs. They believed that they sowed bountifully in this world, they would reap bountifully in the world to come. Amen. They believed that God would receive glory and thanksgiving from their willingness to give. Amen. What do you believe this morning? Yeah. I, I, listen, I know that we're living in a time where the church seems so corrupted by money. I, I, I see that same thing. I really do. There's a lot of deception. There's a lot of thieves that hide themselves in the name of the Lord. But is there a possibility that even looking beyond those things, we're missing a great opportunity to do something great for God? Yeah. I wonder what would happen if we unite together and give cheerfully and wholeheartedly to further the gospel. We're not, we're, as a church, we're blessed. God's taking care of us. Financially, we're fine. We've got no issues. But what more could we do for our community if everybody gave? Amen. If everybody gave from, from the bottom of their hearts and they gave as they were led, not not putting themselves in poverty again. No, I, I would want you to give uh, uh, the last dollar you had to feed your kids. I, I, I want you to. I want you to live well, but I want others to live well also. Yeah. As a church, I, here's my challenge to us: that we all begin to pray and seek God's guidance on what direction He wants us to go. In His name. Amen. I, I listen to. Me. Don't know your situation. Don't know anything about about anything. But here, here's my challenge to you. If you're a born again believer and you're sitting in the church today, I challenge you to find the church that God leads you to and take that membership in that church and 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 and, and, and get involved in the business of that church. Amen. Amen. Get involved in the business of that church. Nobody likes the business of a church. I don't either. But if we get involved and we use that business and we use that time to where we come together and instead of talking about things that aggravate us, if instead we sit down in a meeting and say, what kind of shelter do we want to build for the homeless? What kind of food kitchen do we want to put up? What, what, 
what, who do we want to bless? Now that's a meeting I can get behind. Amen? That's the kind of things that we need to do. So get involved in a church, whichever one God leads you to. Get involved, dig in, and, and be a part, and, and give with all your heart the best that you can, uh, uh, and do it cheerfully and happily, and make sure that they're using their money for the glory of God. Yeah. Not storing it up for their own glory. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? There's enough of us here. We've got the resources, the talents. We have the ability to do great things. The question is, do we have the desire? Amen. Yeah. We are the rich. Listen to it one more time this morning. And then we'll stand together. First Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Charge them that are rich in this world. That's us. Amen. Start with me. Charge them that are rich in this world that they not be high. Nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy, that they may do good and be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up for themselves a, a good foundation against the time to come. Yeah. That they may lay hold. Amen. 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 I believe it's time that we uh, 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 use the, the church as a light in the world. Yeah. Yes. We sit idly by and watch the world go to waste. And we know that the Bible makes clear that it's going to go to waste no matter what we do. Yes. Amen? Yes. It's going to get worse and worse. We know that. But we sit idly by and allow people to go through all kinds of, 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 of suffering while we have the ability to help. Yeah. And soon, all of us, whether you're young or old, are going to stand before the Lord. I want to stand before God and be able to say, God, I read your instruction to the rich. And I love you. I follow. The best of my life. Yes. I want, I want to be able to say, God, I tried in my life to do things so that you would get the glory and that people would be led to you because of the world. Amen. This is not about how to further Power River Church. This is about how to further the kingdom of God. This is not about how to get more in the offering. This is about how to do more. <coughs> Outside those doors for the people who are hurting. And unfortunately, in the world we live in, it takes money. Even Jesus had a relationship. Amen. They had to take that money to do the works. We're no different. So I pray, I beg that you don't look at the offering time and say, Here's another church that wants my money. If you can't give cheerful, that's we're okay. God's blessed us. But my prayer is that your hearts would begin to change. All mine too. That all of our hearts would begin to change and we'd look at it saying, I get to give. That's what they did in Macedonia. They said, Man, I, we want to be a part of the ministry. We want it. Well, when our hearts get that way, we know we've got on something. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. Sorry to preach you too long.